Welcome to the Mission Guys podcast, where we talk about anything related to leading transformation in the church. I'm Nick Jorgensen. And I'm Rick Pop. We are missionaries at Acts 29. And as always, it's our hope that we can help you as church leaders, as leadership teams, as leaders of families, and leadership practitioners to more effectively mobilize the church to achieve her mission. Today's topic, brother, is a doozy. We're so excited about this. It is emotional intelligence from a biblical worldview. And uh, in this episode, I mean, first of all, I just want to say, this is Rick, we've never prepared as much as we have for this episode. I mean, this this is the most prep I've ever put into an episode, which doesn't mean it's going to be the best one ever, but it's just, there's so much here to root in scripture. There's so much here we continue to learn about even now as we process this topic. So um, it's it, we're, we're excited. So it, in this world we're living in right now, there is so much technology the social, you know, quote unquote, connectivity, or as Albert would say, connectivity, um, that this emotional intelligence topic is, a, is as important as ever, both in the world and specifically as it pertains to this conversation in the church. Few things are as important in your leadership as your emotional intelligence, especially impacting others. And so the goal in this episode is to better understand emotional intelligence, understand its impact you know, positive or negative, and to think about you and your teammates, the team you lead, in order to improve it. So transformation in your leadership is tightly tied to this. And by the way, emotional intelligence is a factor, significant factor in your journey to be holy, your journey to Jesus. Rick, with that, brother, will you please open us in prayer? I'd love to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time. We thank you for leadership in the church, your church, Christ's body on this earth. We thank you for their yes, their acceptance of the mission you've put them on. We ask for a special blessing upon them. We thank you for their docility, their humility, and wanting to continue to grow. We thank you for the grace of magnanimity for them because we know they want to be great to glorify you, Lord. Holy Spirit, be with us today. May we be used as simple earthen vessels to be able to share thoughts that that you want us to share. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, Nick, I love this tool. I love this. It's in a series. You know, we've got this series going on. We kicked it off with a with an episode that said why management tools or leadership tools don't work in the church. And um, our punchline is not only can many of these tools work in the church, but given their biblical roots in the ones that we're highlighting, we would posit that there should be even more effective in the church. And this is one of them. This is a doozy. I, I love this. For many, many years, since the 80s when this came out, you know, in the 90s, I started my career in in the secular world and human resources and emotional intelligence just has grown in its impact. Early on, when Dr. Daniel Goleman first, uh, well, coined the phrase emotional intelligence, wrote a book and has continued to write on this, you know, at first it wasn't really well received by maybe the social scientists, the psychologists, psychiatrists at the time. Leading thought leaders, management leaders. Um, it was kind of viewed as maybe not well-researched, not a lot of background. 
but it's only proven to be more and more helpful, more right on. I know in my experience, those leaders that had emotional intelligence were much better leaders than those who didn't. Uh, though, And research now has shown that in, given the time over the last 40 years, those with emotional intelligence tend to rise more, even more than those with high IQ, you know, that pure brain power, if you will. Um, and yet we look at society and, and, and you and I, Nick, we've talked about this a lot. And I, I don't think we get too many arguments that there's a lot of evidence. Now, I don't know what percentage of society, but there's a big chunk that even are less emotionally intelligent than 40 years ago. And you would think with the advancement of technology, with the readily available information, with access to, to knowledge that's out there, you would think we just continue to grow in our intelligence, including our emotional intelligence. But you look at social media, look at how people just are hateful with each other who have zero, you know, not only tolerance for each other, but, you know, just this emotion, this wild, these outbursts. We know that we see this this uh, lack of emotional intelligence as we define it. So I don't know, Nick, before I get into the four, kind of a high view, what's your take on what's going on in the world and emotional intelligence? Yeah, I mean, it. it is, uh, you said it really well. I, we're at a, we're a certainly, I mean, neither of us lived <laughs> that long ago, so we don't know what it was like the last few thousand years. Um, but the trend is, this is on a steep decline and it, just being buried in our phones, um, not having real vulnerable relationships. Uh, we were just reading an article uh, from a Catholic perspective about how this is, this is not being taught in families anymore. And so like the, the me culture breeds, I don't know what culture, but it's certainly not an emotionally intelligent one. And so it's 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 bad. It's getting worse. Which actually, from a from a perspective of like leading right now, is an advantage in the sense that if you're going to really grow this and work on it, you're gonna you're gonna stand out even more. Um, just because it's it is it is there's such a deficit in it, and people people are attracted to it. People want this, even though they might be selfish or buried in their phone. People actually want this. None of us want these disconnected you know, self-introspective lives because it doesn't lead to actual happiness and peace. So, and, you know, my, my journey more recently in the last, you know, 10, last five years, especially, and then working with Acts 29, little did I realize the biblical roots of emotional intelligence, the way it's laid out. And so mm -hmm. that's what we're going to try to do today is dig even deeper. It's an effective tool, just kind of that mindset on how to grow as a leader. But let's, let's look at its biblical roots and then for church leadership, especially, but for anybody, it is super powerful to grow as a leader, when, especially when you realize just how biblically, biblically rooted this tool is. So let, let's at a high level um, go through, there's four elements or even four skills that we're going to focus on in this podcast, which, which essentially make up emotional intelligence. Okay, now those four, I'll go to a high level, and then we're going to dig into each one deeply. First is self-awareness. Self-awareness is knowing yourself as objectively as possible. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And your emotions. You know, what, what are your emotions? What triggers you? What gets you mad? What gets you happy? Knowing yourself. That's number one. That's the first skill. The second skill then is self-control or self-management. So it's one thing to know your triggers. It's one thing to know what makes you angry, 
It's one thing to know that what makes you sad or, or makes you happy. But the second part is then controlling it. How does that manifest then itself in behavior? So that's number two, self-control, being able to manage that interior life. The third element is other awareness or social awareness. It's your ability to accurately pick up on the emotions of other people so that you understand what's really going on. You're aware of others. You see uh, how they're behaving. You see how they act. You hear what they say. And it enables you. And it's a skill that you can develop to then read them better. That's number three. And number four is ultimately relationship management. So it's using this awareness of self, this ability to control self to, to for your behaviors. The third is that other awareness. And you use all that then to manage relationships. All right, so those are the four components. Now, the good news is the emo emotional intelligence is something you can get better at. Now, certainly you can improve your IQ. You can improve your your flat out brain power. It's just harder to do than growing your emotional intelligence. And just like brain power, some people are naturally more emotionally intelligent than others. Some aren't. Some have to work at it harder. But the good news is you can grow it. You can grow your emotional intelligence. Now, as we get into this from a deeper biblical perspective, the great, great news is that with the help of the Holy Spirit, this can be the most effective development mindset or tool to become a better leader in the church. So, so we're gonna we're gonna start digging into this. All right. So, um, Nick, why don't you kick us off with with number one? Yeah, I'd be happy to. This this uh, first emotional intelligence element, which we'll call EQ a lot of times uh, throughout this episode. So the first one is self awareness, as Rick just said, and self awareness is your ability to accurately understand, to perceive your emotions, and to stay aware of them as they happen. All right, so ability to accurately understand your emotions and stay aware of them as they happen. So th this is all about knowing yourself more deeply, understanding who you are. And this, from a, from a biblical perspective, who you are is a son or daughter of God. And that is not a concept, right? This is not an idea that we throw out there. That's a reality that you're supposed to live and experience and live from. And there's an example right there that you won't read that in the EQ book. You know, this is or dies yeah. that, you know, when you're knowing self, we, we think this is so foundational. Yes, knowing your emotions, absolutely knowing your emotions. But your emotions are a product of who you are and who you're what your experiences has been, what brokenness maybe you've had in your past. And are you able then to leverage who you are then to really understand your emotions? And this, this to be sure, I mean, you know, Rick, we're on the journey. Everybody listening is on the journey. So we have more or less experience and knowledge and understanding of who we actually are as sons and daughters of God. Uh, just, just saying that, it's like there's, there's a feeling of inexhaustibleness to that. You know, we are, we are creatures created by God for eternal life with him. So it's going to be an inexhaustible reality. So wherever we are, we can get deeper in understanding who we are and who God is and how that has tremendous implication for how we process any and all of this in, in our minds and in our interior life. So, to, so to, to, to grow this, to think about this, to process this, you want to make sure you have really you know, fresh knowledge, recent knowledge, deepening knowledge 
of your strengths. Now, what are you good at? What's life giving for you as a disciple? What are your preferences? You know, what are your geniuses? If you're using Lecioni's working genius tool, what are your geniuses? What are your charisms? What are the skills and, and, and traits you have been given and learned? Um, what, what's your passion? You know, what do you, what do you deeply care about? What do you love doing in life? What are those energy drivers? You could say those things, like I said, life giving those things that really give you life, give you energy by doing them also includes understanding your weaknesses. You know, what, what do you struggle? What are you not so great at? Um, and not to look at that with a, a negative mindset, but like I don't have those, 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 those gifts necessarily. I'm going to celebrate those with other people, right? My woundedness, your life experiences from the day you were born, what's happened to you that's caused you to be hurt, broken, wounded, and how does that play into your emotional awareness? Like how do you, you know, th those have significant impact on your emotional reactions. And then those triggers, those triggers and signs, um, you know, of your emotions, the anger, stress, being overwhelmed, the positive, joy, peace, there's, the list could go on and on. What are those triggers and signs that are, are um, speaking to you about your emotions and what's happening inside? And we get asked about our view on tools, you know, the, the management tools that are out there, personality type tools, whether it's Myers-Briggs or DISC or Working Genius or Strengths Finder, Change Style Indicator. There's a lot of them. Thomas Kilman Conflict Mode, the APEST test uh, on um, charisms. Um, and those are helpful. Those are helpful tools to know self, to know self better. And then we'll get in, the, in, in another element of emotional intelligence, to know others as well. So we, we you know, we're not those that say the, none of those tools are effective in the church. No, to the contrary. When used properly, they are, they are helpful tools to learn even more about self. And the other element of learning more about self is getting feedback. First, get feedback from the Lord. Ask him. Ask him, Lord, help me see me as you see me. And get feedback from whether it's a superior, whether it's your peers, your friends, subordinates in an organization, from your family member, and from your best friends especially. Because your best friends generally are the ones that will tell you like it is because they trust you and you trust them. And again, as Nick said, it, but we believe you begin with this primary identity. From a biblical perspective, EQ begins with a primary identity as a beloved child of God. And, and and kind of building on that 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 idea that's not just an idea it's a reality. You are a child of God, long as you've been baptized. You are a priest, prophet, and king. And we throw these words around. You know, we're not going to like do a do a trees on these right now. On the, on the on, on, but it's just you're a priest, prophet, and king. You were you were born with a purpose. You were created by God from love, for love, and and if we don't have um, kind of the end in mind. You know, we pray this Our Father prayer all the time. On earth as it is in heaven. What is in heaven? What's life like in heaven? Well, we don't know a whole lot about it, but we do know some things about it. And for sure, for this conversation, one of the things that we should all really remind ourselves of is there is no pain. There's no suffering. There's no disordered passions and emotions. You, 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 it's perfect communication with everybody in your life. I mean, so if that's how it is in heaven perfected humanity, no pain, no suffering, no sin, no struggle. I mean, I, it's unfathomable beauty. If that's heaven, and that's what we're aiming for 
on earth now as it is in heaven, then that's the end we're striving for as we think about this whole EQ model. It's like my emotions, anything disordered, anything not like it is in heaven, God wants to do something about. And to be sure, on this side of of, uh, of heaven, all right, <laughs> we're not going to experience no suffering. We're not going to experience uh, perfect communication and harmony and joy and peace. We're not going to have those things necessarily. But if that's the aim, we know that when we're falling short of that mark, there's more work to be done. There's more to be learned, more to grow. And so that's just kind of the barometer is to say we're aiming for perfection. And between the now and the then, we got a lot of work to do. And not in a, um, what do you want to call it? Not in a negative sense, but like the joy of the work of of, of becoming perfected. Yeah, how many times have we said the Lord's Prayer and just hearing you say it that way, you know, making that connection, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. I don't think i know i don't make that connection every time i say that it's like that's what we're aspiring to do and uh so that is even reinforcing even further so thank you for that you know i think that's a segue into maybe the last point on this first element of eq is this focused prayer focused prayer is being probably the most effective way to dig more deeply into that self-awareness praying to the lord lord where am i most broken Lord, what are my special gifts? Lord, what are you saying to me right now? Lord, what is my mission? Give me clear self-awareness of my emotions and how they are impacting my behaviors and my decisions. So let's move into the second core element of emotional intelligence or the skill that can be learned, and that is self-control. And again, that's not the exact wording in the book the EQ book. So the self-control is your ability to use that awareness of your emotions and stay flexible and positively direct your behavior. So let's, let's reference Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. So this isn't only a management tool that would help you get ahead, help you get promoted, help you be more well-liked. It's both a goal, biblically, thousands of years ago, as well (laughs) as it's an indicator on how it's going. You know, how's it going as a leader? How's it going as a human being? Without self-control, there's something disordered. And so how might you grow self-control? And so it's our challenge to you is, it's, as it is to ourselves, we struggle with this as well. Number one, surrender. You, can, you can't do this alone. You know, especially if you're a, a good red, white, and blue American, and it's like, you know, it's try harder, work harder. And the idea of surrendering to enable you to succeed does not compute. For you to get on your face and say, Lord, I can't do this. I just need you. I need to totally surrender in order to control myself. That doesn't sound right. It's not what I can picture. Yeah, it makes me, that made me think, Rick, of uh, the term meek. I, 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 don't, I only recently, last couple of years, came to understand this more, uh, having Father John as a, 
a teacher week in and week out. Meekness is strength under control. So you think about like a, a, a bridled horse, right? That's a meeked animal. Unbridled, that's like a, a wild stallion can just make all kinds of destruction. And so that, that idea of meekness and surrender, it's uh, very powerful and, and very, yeah, it's, it's, it's contrary to like what, what wants to be in me, you know, from, from being an American man, if you will. So, no, I, I like okay. I've got a story too. Now you, you triggered one for me is, you know, I love football. I played football, but I was a quarterback. So I was never allowed to be on special teams unless I was holding, you know, for half point for, for field goals. <laughs> And, uh, but I would always admire kickoff guys. And I remember mm -hmm. it's like, they were, they were called controlled chaos because they, and these mm -hmm. guys generally were strong and fast. They're on the kickoff team, but they had to be so disciplined. They had to be in their lanes. They couldn't run crazy. They couldn't around, run around people because you get off your lane, you make an opening. And that's what that the kick return team wants to do. But just that concept of, I could just explode because I'm big, fast, strong, but I have to be super disciplined. And, and, and then you have to, you know, follow that technique. So you, you're reminding me that, and I just you know, aspired and I had my red oh, jersey it's a great, on it's a great... and the guys would pick on me because I had my red jersey on because I wasn't allowed to get hit. <laughs> Don't hit Rick. Yeah. No, that's great. It's a great image actually. You know, I mean, controlled chaos, but that, 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 that power under control is, yeah. uh, is so important. Then, then, then there's the, it also grows through healing, right? We have to have a concerted effort in our hearts and our relationship with Jesus and with other people to address the wounds in our lives. Um, you know, there's that, there's that great line, what doesn't get transformed gets transmitted. Now what goes unhealed in our lives, it's passed on to others. And oftentimes it's a wreckage, you know, uh, or, or certainly a large insecurity. And it, pre it prevents us from having real deep, vulnerable friendships and relationships. And this wounds piece, I just want to say, you know, we're not doing like, a, again, a, a, a treaties on this right now, but it's God's not pleased to just have you white knuckle emotions. We talk about this, you know, EQ element to self-control. It's not like, all right, I'm a super angry person because I'm wounded. And even if I know why or don't know why, I'm really wounded, I'm really angry, but I have just enough power, strength, and surrender to kind of stay, keep that right below the surface. And so you don't realize I'm really angry and experiencing that. God's not satisfied with that. He wants you to have an integrated interior life. He wants to heal the roots of these things so that you're not just white knuckling anger, anger gets reduced and even eliminated in your life or sadness or depression or anxiety, or you name the enemy that haunts you and he it, wants it integrated right on. And that's why I think, you know, this, this deeper dive on this wonderful tool, self-control, we don't have self-control by itself in this second element. That's why we say in Galatians, when we're told it's, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we, we broaden that concept to say, okay, that's not white knuckling it. You know, that's not having, having all this turmoil inside, but I'm able, able to control it exactly right on. And, and again, you know, for this one now, we believe focused prayer as the most effective way to strengthen and grow in this second element, in this self-control. Lord, in the, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I cannot change, that I cannot manage my emotions. Lord, help me to fully be aware of my emotions, 
so I can positively transform my behaviors and do your will. Lord, give me the strength to persevere, to get right back up when I fall. Now, there's another element, uh, Nick, this is one that you and I have spent some time on in this this self-control area, and that is this sense of being overwhelmed. And, And so often we're running into leaders in the church. Now, it's the vast majority. You know, there are some exceptions, but the vast majority will say, hey, I'm overwhelmed. And it, it might not be all the time, but for some, they feel I'm overwhelmed all the time. There's some who are like, hey, it's, it's just way too often. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Now, we're all going to be overwhelmed at times, but you can't live in that state. And this is true for secular leaders and church leaders, to be sure. You know, uh, everyone's struggling with being overwhelmed. It's, I mean, this is one of the reasons of mental health crises right now. One of the reasons. Um, but certainly, we work with clergy a lot, Rick, uh, at X29 and as missionaries and um, and we often run into priests who kind of just live in a constant state of overwhelmed. And um, it, 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 it breaks our hearts, and it's not God's design for any of us. I mean, I've struggled with this myself. So let's talk about this. We, we did a whole episode on this, episode eight um, in the Mission Guys podcast on overwhelm. So we can reference that. But just a couple of quick hitters here. If you think about the state of being overwhelmed and what it does to you, so we, we did an exercise with uh, leaders a couple times now with this tool. And we said, okay, when you're overwhelmed, what's the state you're in? What are you feeling? You know, what are you, what's going on? And here's some of the things that people would say commonly. I have anxiety. I have fear, insecurity. I feel stressed. I feel fatigue. I feel burnout on the verge of burnout. Uh, there's just more tasks and there is time to do them. And I, and I just, that's the lens I wish I see my to-do list. My work quality goes down, and I have no margin in my life, no margin for relationships, for creativity, uh, for new ideas, for deep thinking work, especially the deep kind of thinking that's required to transform in the church right now. You have to have that space and time to really think, to pray, to read. And then uh, and then oftentimes tasks supersede relationships. So I, I become so focused on like functional living, getting stuff done. Um, I probably use a different four letter word when I'm really feeling this way, right? Um, that takes over and I see the task over the relationship I have in front of me and uh, just overall quality of life just suffers. And then, and health suffers and prayer life suffers. And then, but, but this was interesting too. And, and again, we're guilty of doing the same thing. This isn't calling out the leaders that we work with. They're human. Amen. And, and it takes another question to say, so how do you impact others when you're in this state? Because naturally when you ask, what are you feeling when you're overwhelmed? It comes out. I feel this. I feel that. I feel that. This is yeah. what happened. And we're saying, help us see what does overwhelmed look like? Well, I, 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 and then it takes another question and says, well, how do others experience you then? Oh yeah. Well, probably lack of charity. <laughs> I'm a little short tempered. I'm impatient, grouchy. I'm not fully present to people, or maybe even I push others away because I'm just too busy. I might overreact to stimulus. I, I might be aggressive. I might lack gratitude both to God and to others. I might, I might be blind to blessings or blind to others' accomplishments. And I come off as a more frantic leader, and maybe I don't delegate properly. And you know, just even that by itself, that it's like we don't even really initially think of others. We think of self. That's the devil's game plan. 
He wants you to be mm-hmm. me, 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 me. I want all my problems and people are an inconvenience and people are in the streets. They're just traffic and they're, they're in my way. And, and cause I've got too much to do and man, it, and it works, doesn't it? It sure does. I mean, the word frantic on that list you just read that, that word frantic. I mean, that, I, I, I feel it, you know, when I'm at, <laughs> I don't know if I'm quite at my worst yet, but I, what I'm not doing well as a father and husband, I'll come home. And I'm just frantic. I'm just kind of a spaz. I'm doing a bunch of stuff that is not helpful for anybody. And it's like, if I just pause and think like, what's going on, what am I really doing? And, and reestablish some self-control. It can really help pull me out of being overwhelmed in a moment, but a lifestyle shift is required if we're living in overwhelmed all the time. And that's why episode eight is so helpful for those who, who um, are feeling in a lifestyle of overwhelmed. And then in Philippians, one of our favorite uh, uh, parts of scripture, Philippians 4, 5 to 7, says, have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We know it's there. It's easy to read that scripture. It's so hard to do. And this is the challenge in this self-awareness is recognize that we're, we're commanded and directed to get out of that state. Don't let the devil's strategy continue to pull us away. All right, so let's move to the third element or the third skill of emotional intelligence, and that is other awareness. So your ability to accurately pick up on emotions in other people and understand what's really going on. You see people, you, you, you see how they're reacting to what you're saying. You know, you're, you're picking up on body language. You know them well enough so that you know a pattern. So like my mother, for example, my wife and I know when my mother has an issue in her mind, she starts behaving a little differently. She's less communicative. She doesn't respond as quickly to a text. And so we have to ask her, hey, mom, what's going on? And then she'll tell us and then everything will be fine again. But you said that when you know people, so it's that other awareness, whether it's people that you know well or people that you don't know that well, but your ability to pick up on emotions and and just some direction we'll give you on this and things to think about is first is, is to what we say, get outside of yourself and just recognize the mission. Your mission is not about you. Our true mission is about the other, in quotes, the other, whoever the other is. That's our mission in this world. The Lord didn't say... You've certainly said, love me first, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love others as I love you. Now, that's not saying you don't like self for sure, but the mission isn't about you. The mission is truly about the other. So it's truly see others, see others. When we say see others, that's that's looking at them. That's listening to them. Give fully of yourself. Get to know people. Love them where they are. Easy to say, hard to do. Be intentional about growing empathy. For truly, you know, putting yourselves in others' other shoes and putting yourself in other shoes. Um, and um, of course, we'll go to our the greatest leader role model in history, and that's Jesus. We've got some areas that uh, maybe Jesus, we can learn a bit from him. The biblical wisdom, biblical examples of this, well, there's so many. I mean, let's just hold up the example. Who had perfect EQ in all four areas recovering? Jesus, right? I mean, we're supposed to be Christ-like. So 
let's just use a couple of examples here just to just to point out Jesus's empathy and, and his encounters with people. So Matthew nine thirty six, the Lord is is you know in the middle of this healing ministry, and he sees the the the, the countless numbers of souls of people before him, and and the line is you know they're like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord's reaction is literally so visceral. He feels it in his physical body, his empathy, his pain, his love for his people. So his empathy is so deep, he could feel it in his very body at times. And this, this example is just to say the Lord both felt empathy and um, he was capable of seeing people and not being like disgusted with their humanity their brokenness, physically, spiritually, emotionally. He saw it and he had empathy because he had understanding that this is the human condition and this is why he was sent. And so in his place, you and I are sent now to have that same empathy for our brothers and sisters lost and hurting around the whole world. You know, another example, and these, you know, these examples are in the Bible for a reason. We believe they're, they're directive, you know, they help us understand. So another one, just a quickie that, you know, when Jesus is walking to Jerusalem and he's going, you know, essentially to the final parts of his mission and he's going through Jericho and, and there's Zacchaeus who's basically hiding up in a sycamore tree because everyone knew that he was a tax collector and no one liked him. And he was this little man and he climbed up in there and a sycamore tree has pretty good coverage. You know, it's like there's leaves and everything. You can, you can hide, especially if you're a smaller person. And so there's this, you know, it always struck me as Jesus, there was both this physical awareness and then there's also this spiritual or internal awareness so he was aware Zacchaeus wanted more he was aware that he was kind of conflicted you know with what his career was and what he did and and even though Jesus was going on his mission ultimately to die for us in Jerusalem you know he, he said Zacchaeus come on down I'm gonna have dinner with you even though and he knew it, and he was very aware that the rest of the crowd didn't like Zacchaeus and they're going to question you or, or mingling with these kinds of people. And you're going to even go have dinner. He knew exactly what people were thinking. And in multiple times throughout scripture, he knew exactly what he had that social awareness. He was aware of others individually, internally, as well as what's happening even physically around him. Yeah. You just, I mean, you think about every time the Lord is encounter, almost every time the Lord is encountering people, he's asking him questions or when they come to ask him a question, he asks him a question back. And it's always about him, you know, both on a, on a natural level. So speaking to like the environment, understanding the context, you know, your, your, your experience, your wisdom, your insight, your ability to see real time, physical reactions, body language, all that stuff. And also this includes on a supernatural level. So you think about the woman at the well, the Lord's encountering this woman. How would he know that she was living the life she was living by that experience at the well? Well, he, he couldn't have unless the father in heaven was revealing to him knowledge about this woman. And so as disciples of Jesus Christ, other awareness includes asking the father, asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. What's happening right now with my wife or my husband as we have this discussion or as I walk in the room or my children or my boss or my coworkers or my teammates or this soul who I'm meeting on the street? Like we're having encounters with people all the time. How often are we accessing that which we have an, a right to access because we're baptized? Our father in heaven, the angels, the saints, the supernatural world is so present 
but we just so often ignore it because we don't always physically see it. And sort of just pause where you are. Like, Lord, what are you doing right now? How, what insight do you want to share with me, Lord, about this person's life or why they're angry or upset or why they're joyful or why they're having a hard time or why they're whatever? Why, why, why? Ask the Holy Spirit. You'll be stunned at how often he wants to reveal something if we just ask. Amen. Amen. I love that. And again, this won't be in the EQ book, but it's this deeper <laughs> dive that says, Lord, help me to understand, to be aware of others. We can hear them say something. And it's like, man, we might read it based on our own insecurity. You know, we love that quote. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. And if we're broken, somebody could say something, didn't intend to offend us at all. And then it really offends us. So it's Lord, there's that prayer. And maybe, maybe one more example, Nick. So the woman caught in adultery, that's another one. It's just the kind of this social awareness. You know, Jesus could have fought fire with fire. You got these, this angry crowd wants to, basically kill this woman. She's an adulteress. Um, and what does he do? He doesn't, he doesn't fight fire with fire. He doesn't get all angry back at them. Um, and, and he doesn't, he doesn't condemn the woman and he just in a cool way, total control and managing as again, asking the questions, you no know, writing in the sand, looking down and, uh, you know, just, and then, and then turning to her and, and say, you know, where'd they go? and sin no more. You know, this, this, she didn't need to be abused anymore, or she didn't need to be um, uh, condemned right there. She was already suffering for what she had done, and for what could have been the end of her life. And so he just Mm -hmm. knew at that moment, it's, you know what, go move on, sin no more. Yeah. So this fourth element of uh, EQ is relationship management. So relationship management is your ability to use awareness of your emotions and the emotions of others to manage interactions successfully. I'm going to read that one more time. Relationship management is your ability to use awareness of your emotions and the emotions of others to manage interactions successfully. Now, that secular definition could kind of leave the door open in this element and skill to... um, look like manipulation or sound like it, the potential for manipulation. But from a biblical worldview, this is all about the commandment to love one another as the Lord has loved us. To love your brother or sister or neighbor or you know friend or coworker or stranger on the street. To love people. This is the commandment here. And so it's all the awareness piece coming together so that you can behave and live and be like the disciple of Jesus that you are called to be. All right. So within this relationship management, there's, there's a few elements we just want to kind of bring to your attention that are, that are really important to it. So this first kind of concept is like wasting time with people. Now, so time is so precious. It's the, it's the one commodity we cannot get more of that we would never waste it except with the people we love. And so we really want to get great at wasting time with the people we love, being really present to them um, and building deep relationships and one of our favorite passages kind of flows from this. 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul says to the Thessalonians, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, our very selves, because you had become very dear to us. And so it's this, this understanding that like, if I'm on mission, it's not just about you know, doing the work of ministry, preaching the gospel, 
It's also about giving your very self, your time, your presence to people. Commandment to love others as Jesus has loved us, right? Just said that one already. Like that, that, that is the command that drives this whole one. Jesus goes so far as to say, love your enemies. I mean, how painful is that? You know, we want to hate our enemies, don't we? Uh, no, that's not, that's not acceptable for the Christian. We have to love our enemies. In Matthew 5, 43 through 48, the Lord talks about this. And, um, and, and it's like, he said, he, he, he just challenges us. Like, well, if you only love those who love you, what gain do you have? You know, it can't be this way with you. You have to love those who persecute you. That's a real challenge. And it falls right here in this, this element of EQ. And then charity is both the goal of our life as Christians and an indicator. How charitable am I towards, <laughs> of course, those I love, but how about those I, I, I prefer to hate? How charitable am I in my language, my thought life, the way I interact with others, you know? Or when the person's not in the room that I tend to not like, how do I talk about them when they're not here? Am I charitable? So charity is both a goal and an indicator. And then again, just really want to reemphasize, this is not about being in an effective or productive relationship. It's about real love, real community, real friendship, real Christian living. Uh, productivity and effectiveness, as important as they are in life, those are not the, those are not the end uh, at all. So really go out and love people well is this, is this fourth element. So as I think of, you know, the, we call them the three essential principles of transformation in the church. And we've talked about that on our episodes and every tool that we're talking about is within that context, within the context of the, and the three are these reacquiring a biblical worldview. And that's what we hope we're keep pressing into this is these tools can be super effective. If you ground them in their biblical roots, reacquiring a biblical worldview, how does this fit in? The second one is not enough to be a staff. In particular, this fourth element of emotional intelligence, relationship management, is that second essential principle. So in other words, what I'm saying is, it's not enough to be a staff. We don't even think it's enough to be a team. We believe that leadership in the church, you have to develop into a family on mission. And what are families? How are families different than a team in a sports team? How are families different than you know, a staff at work. Well, it's relationships. So we ask you to think of your relationships. How are they? So using your emotions, knowing yourself, your ability to control self, your awareness of each other and your team and your relationships, are they truly to the point of being viewed and, and having the characteristics of a family on the Lord's mission? And then the third of those essential principles is prayerfully discerning God's plan. And it's, as, as we've said in every one of these, Lord, help us see, help us know, help me see, help me understand, direct me, give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the love. Because if we try to do it on our own, if we, if we don't surrender and if we don't accept God's love, we'll never, as Nick said, be able to pass it along. So a summary of these four skills from a biblical perspective is number one, Last summary is no self. And if you know yourself, self-awareness, and know yourself first as a beloved son or daughter of God, and that all emotions come first from our fundamental identity, 
you will know self even better. Number two, self-control. And do that by total surrender that his will be done. Number three, other awareness. Truly see others as brothers and sisters, children of God, and love others as Jesus loves us. And then the fourth is relationship management, a family on mission. Love them as I love you as well. And then uh, maybe maybe kind of to add on to this summary, you know, the catechism in 1767 says, In themselves, passions or emotions are neither good nor evil. They are morally qualified only to the extent that they, that they effectively engage in reason and will. So our emotions are only morally qualified. They only take on a moral character to the extent they effectively engage our reason and will. So if you think about that, that means the hard work in the mind, right? The hard work in the mind is critical to processing emotions well, uh, to giving them order, and then to do a great job making decisions uh, and our actions interiorly with God, with ourselves, with others. And then maybe one more point here is just emotional intelligence from a biblical worldview should lead you to develop virtuous living, making great habits, living virtuously. By doing the hard work with EQ, you will find yourself living a more virtuous life. And my final kind of thought as we've talked about this today, Rick, is this the best tools. So, you know, we're talking about do, do business tools really work in the church? How are they not effective? Well, the ones that are effective can be rooted biblically. And I thought about it more as we were talking today. And, you know, those tools that can be biblically rooted that are at a principled level, they're at a principled level, they're not, like a, not just like a practical methodological, but a principled level, fit so many things into them that they help bring order and make sense of things, that they help drive us on a, on a pathway. They help drive... Um, good sound thinking. And so those tools that you find and in, in root biblically that ha- that are at a principled level and also have practical implications are like those five-star tools. And that's why we did Lencioni last time in the five behaviors of a team, because it just makes sense. It's just, it's principled living for relationships. This is principled living to be a, a virtuous Christian, to understand the thought life and, and, and to grow in holiness. So these, these ones that you can root like this, they're just so worth spending time with. And now let's shift to the mission challenge. We know this has been a long episode. It's such a meaty topic. Each of these categories can probably spawn a whole nother series of episodes and digging into specific tools, but hopefully it was helpful to you. So what can you do with this as as a leadership team, as a leader? Here's our mission challenge to you is number one, bring this concept to your team. Learn about it together. Discuss what emotional intelligence is from a biblical perspective, invite dialogue about it. Where are you as a team? Where are you as individuals strong? Where are you weak? Where do you need to grow? Okay, so to have the dialogue, and you can do this both as an individual and as a collective team. As a team, how are you doing the relationship management? You know, as an individual, how are you doing the relationship management, as an example? So that's number one is bring it to the team, discuss it, invite dialogue. And number two, pray and reflect on all four elements. And when you pray, here's some to consider. There's four prayers matching the four skills. Number one, Lord, help me see and know myself more clearly. You could do that as a team as well. 
Number two, Lord, please heal and strengthen me in order that I may manage my emotions, that I may even be more in control of my emotions. Number three, Lord, help me truly see others. And number four, Lord, in which relationships in my life right now do I need to spend more time and attention? All right, with that, Nick, can you want to close us in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for the gift of uh, just knowing that we are your sons and daughters. We thank you that you uh, have chosen us, have called us, have rescued us in your son, Jesus. And Father, we want to glorify you by all of our thoughts, by all of our words, by all of our behaviors and relationships, the things we talk about. And so, Father, we ask you right now to send the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name to fill every listener to this podcast. Fill them with your spirit. Fill them with uh, the desire to grow and learn. For those who don't feel like they really understand or have had the chance yet to, to come to meet you, as I say, you send the Holy Spirit to give them experience, even right now, where they sit or stand, of your love, of your power, of your peace. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to just to come now and bring every leader more knowledge, more grace, and more power so that they can just live really high emotional intelligence in their life to bring transformation to the church and to all those entrusted to their care. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, that's it for episode 19. Go and use the tools that God has given you.